I've been delighted, surprised, although not surprised too, <laughs> at just how having a creative project that you share with a friend deepens your friendship. Like we were friends before this, but this is yeah, we were. glue and it's also it glitter, right? Like it just, it makes it so much fun to have this as something we share. Hello and welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Christy Ashwanden. And I'm Rosemary Watulla-Tromer. This is a podcast on creative process, and we are celebrating our 100th episode. Congratulations, Christy. exciting. (laughs) We did it. And I just want to say, I mean, not to like try and puff up our accomplishment, but really it's it's more than 100 episodes because for most of them, we have had two because we've had a bonus episode. So we're probably more like 185 episodes, something like that. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Today, we're going to go through some of our favorite episodes and just recollect some of our beginnings. Very, very humble beginnings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, a little bit of our, our enthusiasm and excitement in our memories of, of emerging form. You know, the first episode came out in 2019. Was it February, March, something like that? I mean, it, it's been some years now. It's pretty cool to just think of how far we've come. Yeah. I think you should tell the story of how it all started. <laughs> Because it was your idea. Oh, you've been in my kitchen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this gets me to our second episode, actually. But this all kind of started with our dispute, our argument about talent, right? <laughs> um, where you were saying, oh, I'm not talented. I just work really hard. And I was saying, that is such a terrible, cruel thing to say <laughs> because you are talented. And, uh, and I still contend, by the way, I, I think it's cruel for talented people. I mean, if you're naturally talented at something and you say, oh, no, I just work hard. I mean, it's kind of a slap in the face for people who aren't as talented and are working really hard and, and not not getting to that I place. I cannot believe here we are at episode 100 still arguing about this. I still contend that I'm right. I know you do. I know you do. I'm just not <laughs> going to even go here. But <laughs> yeah, I'm going to remember, though, the first time we tried to record how little oh, yeah. we knew. And we were here in the in my house in a in a in a barn, which is like a guest bedroom. And we had created You call it a barn. It's actually a very nice guest studio. It's a guest studio. And Christy and I had created on the bed this kind of enormous pillow caves with both of us on the same bed in the same room trying well, like what what did we know, friend? But it was awful. Yeah. Suffice to say, it did not go well. <laughs> yeah, the audio quality was terrible. It was really echoey in there. I thought, oh, we'll just have all these pillows. It'll be fine. It wasn't. Our we could hear each other. And, sound was bleeding oh. into one each other. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. But I think my favorite part about the beginning, though, was that, first of all, Rosemary, you didn't even know what a podcast was. I know. <laughs> and uh, just trying to walk you through the technical part has been, I'll just, what's a good you? It's been fun. Oh, you're so, so sweet. <laughs> um, I have really had a lot to learn, haven't I? Yeah. No, it's been I'm great. I'm really proud of myself. I have learned a lot. You have. And now you have your own little recording studio. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. I'm sitting in this cute little cave that my husband built me in the closet in the barn. <laughs> so sweet. Okay. Before we dive into talking about some of the episodes that really stand out to us, I just want to talk a little bit about like what this podcast is for us, because I think it's really important 
just to note that this is our creative passion project. This Mm -hmm. is something we don't do it for money. Although, please, we really appreciate all of you who are who are donating and becoming paid subscribers. It really does help because otherwise we're paying for everything out of pocket. So thank (laughs) you for your support. But we're not doing this to try and make money. We'd like to break even. That's really as far as our financial goals go. And that's just really a labor of love, right? And I've been delighted, surprised, um, although not surprised too, (laughs) at just how having a creative project that you share with a friend deepens your friendship and how, because we've been doing, like we were friends before this, but this is glue and, and it's also glitter, right? Like it just, it makes it so much fun to, uh, to have this as something we share, how many millions of inside jokes do we have because of this? <laughs> right. <laughs> so many. Yeah. And it also, you know, we're both really busy and it keeps us together. Yeah. It, it, it ensures does. that we're spending time together and fun time together. And I feel like it just really sort of keeps us part of that creative process. I mean, we're both mm-hmm. still doing creative projects all the time, but it, it it's kind of this ongoing uh, opportunity to reflect on the creative process and to mm-hmm. think about what we're doing and whether we're doing it with intentionality and all yeah. of that. And it's kind of a reality check. And I think one of the things that has really worked for me about the podcast is, is there are times when I've thought, oh, you know, with just a little bit of work, we could make the podcast, you know, more professional or do a little more editing or you know, whatever. And I've, I've been involved in and working right now on a podcast that's very edited and, you know, a different kind of quality, mm-hmm. but then it wouldn't be fun. And then it would be work and a job. And I, I feel like that would take away, you know, this is something that is really for us. This yeah. is about us and our friendship. And listeners, we're, we're really happy that you're listening, but we're really doing this for ourselves. <laughs> it's a, And we learn so much. This is the thrill is yeah, all the yeah. people who we, we interview all the people who we've been, you know, we read their books and yeah. we, we listen to their music. And it's been astonishing how much I've learned about the world from them and yeah. about creative process from the interviews that we've done. And they've really informed my own ideas of what is it? What is it to be creative? What's happening? Absolutely. And it gets, it's so exciting. And so I'm excited about the rest of our program in which we're going to go through and you know, do 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 down memory lane and remember some of these voices that we've heard in the past and how they've shaped us and what they've taught us. And I just want to tell listeners, this was really hard to do. We basically wanted to talk about every single episode. It's true. And so we just ended up sort of making a bunch of notes, realizing that we didn't want to put out a six-hour podcast. And so we just sort of (laughs) randomly cut people. So just know that we've overlooked a lot of favorite moments. And these are just, it's a little bit arbitrary and random. But man, we've had so many amazing episodes. I mean, starting with that, right, episode two, Jen Kahn, who's Mm -hmm. amazing. She teaches at Berkeley. She teaches journalism. And, uh, you know, just talking about this question of of talent. And Rosemary, to to your point, one of the things that she said that still stuck with me is that, you know, she feels like it's not always immediately obvious who has talent. Like, it's sort of like she kind of came down on in between the two of us, right? Can we hear her talk about it? To me, it's a really interesting question. I struggle with this because it's so hard to make a career as a writer. You're tempted to say, maybe you should just think of another thing to do. I've occasionally thought that about people. And then lo and behold, five years later or whatever it is, they'll be doing something great. I think it's really hard to predict who is really good at something. 
Yeah, I think she's really coming down sort of in between the two of us. You know, that talent is not always easy to see. Hard work helps, but it does exist. It does exist. <laughs> I know you're never going to agree with me. You know, Christy, here's here's <laughs> the thing that, that I love also about this podcast is that, look, for a science writer and a poet, we actually agree more than you would think. True, true that. But, <laughs> but, but where we differ, we differ. I uh, think the, the most fun episodes are the ones where we get into little spats. I know. <laughs> like the one with Susan Twite where we totally battled it out. Um, That's right. And then she, she got in between us and, okay, <laughs> you're both right. Yeah, uh, that was fun. I wanted to to bring back this episode with Chris Duffy. He is a comedian and TV writer and radio podcast host. And one thing that I loved about his episode was, and this is the bonus episode, by the way. I mean, his episode was great. And one thing I loved out of the main episode was how he talked about the rule of threes. Yeah. This comes to me all the time when I, and I noticed it just yesterday when I was going for a walk with my friends and my friend dug a trench and she literally dug a trench with her foot in the path. And I was like, that's so funny. And I laughed and I brought it up again and we laughed again and I brought it up again and it was even funnier. And the fourth time it wasn't funny anymore. Just like Chris oh, said. Just like he just said. Just like Chris said. Yeah, he's right So the first time funny, second time funnier, third time the funniest, and then it's dead. Maximum funniest the third time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was from his main episode. But what I wanted to bring in was from his bonus episode. We talked with him about specific details and how when we go out into the world looking for the one good idea, how do we see ourselves as bigger than that? And let's go ahead and listen and mm-hmm. talk about that. I think I've gotten Mm -hmm. better at having the faith that I am the thing that works, not some one good idea that I happen to luck into by lightning, Mm -hmm. right? Like something that I I found to be like one of the most supportive things that I've ever heard. And that my wife said to me a lot, she was like, you are bigger than this project. It came from you. Mm -hmm. You didn't come from it. So there's that piece. But then I also see the other side, which is that the longer that I do comedy and writing, the more that I see the value of like one really great idea. And so I really try Mm -hmm. hard to not lose when I have that spark of inspiration. And I don't beat myself up if it happens, but I've built a lot of systems in my life so that I try really hard to not lose a good idea. Um, But I will say 99% of things that I think are a good idea are a terrible idea. You know, Rosemary, that kind of brings me back to something, this podcast that I'm working on professionally right now. I had a scientist talking about being wrong and he said, you know, it's it's fine to be wrong. It's what you're right about. And sort of yeah. this idea of a few good things that you're right about or good ideas can really get you through the stuff that's that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. That's yeah. that's exactly it. That's a great yeah. point. You know, the other thing I loved about this little bonus episode with Chris Duffy is how he called attention a muscle. And he said mm-hmm. that it is our artistic superpower. So it really is. It is. And, you know, Rosemary, this idea of paying attention, I think, comes up again and again in so many episodes, because Mm -hmm. that's really the creative act, right? As you're paying attention, you're seeing something you're noticing. It's really about noticing and and then transforming that noticing into something that you can share that's universal. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, I mean, maybe my all time favorite guest, uh, (laughs) which actually, (laughs) I mean, she became a guest because you caught me. uh, What was I trying to pass off my horoscope as a fortune cookie? You did. And it was so obviously a horoscope. I was like, that is not a, and I knew that you were so. 
snobby about horoscopes. Oh, I'm snobby. <laughs> well, I love Holiday Mathis, who's a syndicated horoscope columnist. Her horoscopes appear in hundreds of newspapers across the country, but she is a delightful person. And what I realized, you know, how I fell in love with her horoscopes is I realized that they were just advice for life and for writing. And so we had her on and I just loved everything she said. One of the things that really sticks out in my mind, though, was we had sort of asked her, you know, what, what's your intention with the horoscope? And she had this great little sort of image of, you know, I'm walking down the street and I see you yeah. from across the road and I wink, you know, we're just winking at each other. And I love that. And I really, I think that captures what it is that I, I love about her horoscopes is, you know, she's winking at me and giving me a little nudge into my day. <laughs> I take her horoscopes very personally, uh-huh. too. And we've had her on, by the way, with... A couple times. Three times? Three times. But this clip that I pulled is something that she said that has always stuck with me about where hmm. do you find inspiration? She had three really good ideas, by the way, about how to find inspiration. So you should go back, friends, and listen to episode 28. But this is from the second guiding principle. And the second guiding principle is basically my relationship with the muses which I I, like name, I call it the pantheon of muses. And I have, um, I've been, I've had them for years. (laughs) It's a team and it's Mm -hmm. basically a panel of people who are living or dead, mostly people, but I do have like a gorilla on there and a few animals, but they're basically creative forces that I've (laughs) set up in my own mind. It's like a committee and I don't Uh pray to them or anything like that, but I talk to them a lot and I look at pictures of them and I study them and I put out Google alerts for them. So I know if they're up to something and (laughs) um, I pay homage to them. Like I really take that pantheon very seriously and Mm. sacredly. And I keep it in my phone, like in my Apple notes, like to keep pictures and quotes and that kind of thing. So on a technical level, like I have them around me in my Apple notes and they are my constant um, teamies. Basically, my rule is if there's something that you're very attracted to, just to explore that and, and to do the yes and with that. So it, it, that keeps me inspired. I'm always working on like my own curiosity as fuel. I just love this idea of like having this visual or this sort of cadre of supporters around who are pushing you. I, I really like that a lot. And I still love that she has a gorilla on her. that's that's so funny I love it I love it but the other thing that she said in that episode that still sticks with me is how if you are attracted to something then explore it and that was just Mm -hmm. her her over and over again just how do you find inspiration day after day after day after day imagine how many hundreds of thousands of millions of words she's written yeah how do you stay inspired every single day she follows every single little inkling of attraction and just sees where it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that noticing thing again, right? Yeah. Like you're you're finding the interesting things and following it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about episode nine, which was especially fun because we taped it live. In person. At the Literature Festival in Telluride, right after an award ceremony, right? And it was yeah. about awards and what should, <laughs> what should we make of, of them? And I remember we were talking about, I had just, for some, for some reason, someone thought it was appropriate for me, a non-poet, to help judge this haiku contest. <laughs> but it, it brought up this metaphor for me that I thought was so great. There was a, a poem that I love that compared it was tomato haikus of course was a theme as they do and uh, I just (laughs) fell in love with this haiku that that compared a tomato to your butt quote soft and squishy (laughs) and I thought this was hilarious and just so fun and joyful and 
other judges were like, that was disgusting. That was the worst poem in the whole thing. <laughs> and I think to me, this just sort of encapsulates the whole experience. Like if you've ever been a judge in one of these contests, uh-huh. it's, oh, it's so often that it's everyone's third favorite that wins because the stuff that really moves people or that's really sort of innovative, sometimes, you know, it's not always for everyone and it, right. it may just really hit someone. Right. You know, you either like squishy butts or you don't, I guess is what I would say. <laughs> You should have but, an autobiography. Um, that's your title. I know. Of the you either like squishy butts. butts or you don't. Yeah. Well, that particular episode, we had Rafael Gonzalez and Louis Lopez. And it was so fun because they so strongly disagreed with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So the question was, you know, should we care about awards? And we're just going to play their their answers right now. Is it worth entering awards? What do we get out of a contest? What do you think? We'll start with you, Rafael. No. <laughs> no, I am I am leery of competition in the first place. And to have competition in the realm of the sacred word, the flower and song, to me always has a little distaste for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Luis, did you have a thought on this? Yes, I do. I like to win contests. <laughs> 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 well, this comes this comes from I'm, I've been an athlete, and I certainly like to win baseball games and stuff like that. But I also like to win poetry contests. It was so delightful to hear those different answers because I sort of agree with both of them. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> Christy, I just won a contest. By the way, I won a double magnum of cab oh my God. for a wine poem contest. So, like the <laughs> tomato poetry contest, uh, it was wine poetry and. Well, I mean, come on. Did the tomato poets win tomatoes? Oh, God, no. It was tomato season. (laughs) No one wanted more tomatoes. (laughs) Oh, wow. I should have been there, man. I needed tomatoes. I'm coming over to help you drink that Cabernet Sauvignon. You are so coming over to help me drink that. See, so contest this time, it was a good thing, right? Yeah, right. It was great. So here's something. Another bonus episode that I come back to over and over again is this one with Brad Aaron Modlin. He's a poet. He's also a professor at the University of Nebraska, Kearney. And in our bonus episode, he told us all about his morning ritual in which he has a dance party for 20 minutes. He wakes oh up God. and dances for 20 minutes and t- he's wildly throwing his arms around, listening to 80s music. He also listens like to 90s music. He referred to singing the ketchup song. <laughs> anyway, every every morning I wake up kind of doing my thing, which is just getting everything ready to go. And I think Brad Aaron Modlin is dancing right now. <laughs> <laughs> he really knows how to greet the day, huh? I know. He just had all this uh, joy as how to infuse his practice was mm-hmm. beginning with joy. And I, I loved that yeah. idea for how do we mm-hmm. how do we start our creative process from the moment we wake up? Yeah. Well, that really reminds me of another two-time guest, which is Catherine Price, who's also very playful, right? And one of, oh my gosh. One of the episodes, she talks specifically about her book about play and how it fuels creativity. And one of the things I love about Catherine is that she's both very playful and fun, but she's also extremely practical. So that episode just had so many very like usable, serviceable, like put it into action advice about how to integrate play into your creative practice. So I really enjoyed that. Right. Episode 57. 57. I remember too that she talked a lot about how do you really protect that playful space? And she's such an advocate for getting off your cell phone like really having strong boundaries with your phone 
And I think of her often when I, you know, I'm like, I've been on my phone and I put it away and I kind of thank Catherine. <laughs> yeah, that was another book that she wrote was How to Break Up with Your Phone and it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about another episode that I just really, really, really loved. I know I say that about everyone, but episode 88. <laughs> so it was a recent one with Emily Scott Robinson. And I've actually fallen in love with her music. I've downloaded mm-hmm. a bunch of it. I listened to it. <laughs> in fact, just... do you remember this summer we were at the cabin oh, and yeah. you were playing her music and I said, oh my God, that sounds just like Emily Scott Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's because it is. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. I was like, oh my gosh, you're playing her music. She she blew my mind with something that she said about connecting with an audience. And let's listen to it right now. Rosemary, you know, you're just such a masterful performer because what you understand most is that it's about connecting with the audience and about being willing to be seen and also seeing I once had a mentor named Amy Spies who came from a theater background and she said to us, performing is a service industry job. And she said, what you don't realize when you're beginning, the audience is just desperate to be seen by you. They want to be seen. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't know it, they want you to see them. I think about this particular snippet all the time because it was, for me, it was really an epiphany like, oh, Right. It's like that. And I do a lot of talks and speeches and things, and I know about connecting with audience there. But I think this is true also for writing. Mm -hmm. And I find so often, particularly with the essays that I write, but people really love to connect. Mm -hmm. And so often I will get these very personal letters from readers who feel like they've really been seen because of something I've written. And like, I don't I have no idea who they are, but I have made them feel seen. And I I feel like that is such a connection builder between you and your audience. Well, I think in writing, the equivalent is, are you writing on the page to be clever? Right. Or are you writing on the page to be human? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's in it's through that humanness that we really connect versus look at me and what a pretty sentence I can make. That's right. That's right. So then we asked her, you know, after this little snippet, we asked her, well, how do you do that? How do you make an audience feel seen? And one of the things that she said has stuck with me. I use it now all the time. Oh, It's this. I'll get a few poems in and then I'll say, I love it when an audience talks to me. Hmm. And just whether they do or not, but they often do. Uh-huh. But it's sweet and it just opens up this channel then where there it, it changes the feeling in the room where it's more like mm-hmm. we're all here together versus I'm up here and you're out there. So yeah. it's a, it was a beautiful line that she gave us that, that I use mm. all the time now. I love that. So it's just such a connecting sense. I want to go back and talk about, so, you know, and going back over old episodes and reflecting a little bit, you know, we, the format of the podcast has changed quite a lot, actually, at the beginning, we had, we started off with one season and we produced them all before we released them. We wrote scripts. We wrote scripts. We worked really hard, but we also had a format where we started off. We had what our, what did we call them? Creative sparks or something, you know, at the beginning, which is basically, we still do that. It's kind of like a creative check-in, but we were a little more formalized about it, right? It was like, what was something creative that caught your interest in the last week? And then we would talk about our theme for the day. Mm -hmm. But when we brought a guest in, we would do this thing. We would call it two questions and they would tell us two things about themselves. And then we would have two questions for them. And this was on the theme of the day. And so it was really, you know, much more rigid than it is now. And we didn't talk to the guest as much. We talked a lot and the guest was much shorter. 
Yeah, the guest was much shorter. And I think it was a great idea. But what ended up happening with the two questions is that we ended up learning a lot of interesting things about the guests, <laughs> but it was kind of very off topic. Yeah. And so it felt like it was like steering things and we, we weren't talking enough about the, the creative stuff. But this all sort of, we were doing this until the pandemic and then things kind of started to change and to shift, right? That was a real shifting point. And it happened, honestly, really early on for us. You know, we had yeah. less than 20 episodes when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And when it did, we kind of shifted immediately into, you know, kind of a... <laughs> Because we couldn't talk about anything else. It just seemed right. like, are you kidding? Are we going to not talk yeah. about the pandemic right now? Mm -hmm. So immediately we shifted into this format. Let's talk about what are you doing and what's your creative process during the pandemic. Then we got super lucky that we happen to be good friends with Peter Heller, who wrote a book about pandemics, uh, which was really fun yeah. and weird. It was. It was so interesting because I had had Peter's book. This is Dog Stars, the pandemic book, which is a wonderful book. You should all read it. But I just, it's the pandemic. I'm like, I'm going to read something. I pulled this book off my shelf, not realizing that it was a pandemic book. Oh, really? It had been out for a couple of years already at it that had point. Been, yeah. And I had heard raves about it. I wanted to read it. Anyway, so I finally opened it to read and I was immediately hooked. But I was like, oh, shit, this is, <laughs> is this really the right time? But it was, it actually was the right time. And it gave me some real comfort. And that's something that we talk about in the episode. It gave you comfort? That book gave you comfort? It did because, you know, the characters, they're all right. You know, they're in this terrible time. And yet, you know, they're able to somehow find a way to thrive and to make it through. And let's face it, their time was way worse than yeah, ours exactly. was. Yeah, exactly. That's true. It's like, well, if they can get through this, I can too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, that was fun talking with Peter. And we had, I think, a really good time talking with many people about yeah. how does your creative process, how is it being challenged by the pandemic? How is it being yeah. maybe enhanced by the pandemic? Yeah. And then that really changed our format forever after that. Then we really moved into did, a much more conversational way of being with our guests. Yeah. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's been, you know, it's less work on the front end for us too. And so that was part of it. You know, part of our ambition with this show is to keep it sustainable for us. And again, this is our passion project. It's something fun that two friends are doing together. Mm -hmm. We're basically having a fun conversation with someone really interesting every week. And that's amazing and awesome. And some of them have been, I think, super poignant and even yeah. touching on some pretty tough stuff like episode 79 with Lauren Fleshman. Yeah, this, this is one of my favorites. And I, I think that the thing that really got to me about this episode, well, first of all, Lauren wrote this poignant, wonderful book about being a woman and running and a lot of the pressures on women and, and some pretty deep and important issues. But I think the thing that was so incredible about her interview with us was the way that she was so open and really brave, but more than anything, generous yeah. in talking to us about she had really struggled with this book. You know, you can look at the book and the final output is, is wonderful and very good. But it took a lot. It took a lot of effort. It was really difficult for her at times. Mm -hmm. And part of this was that she went through a bout of pretty serious depression mm -hmm. while she was writing it. And she was very open about that. And I just feel like this is something that is so much more common, I think, than, than the extent to which we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And it just made me really happy for her to start that conversation and to have that conversation and to be open about it and to really, you know, talk about how difficult these things can be. Yeah. And how depression is, is a really 
tricky thing to get through. And it's hard for creative people to do work in the midst of it. Maybe we should do another purposefully touch on depression and mental health and writing and that connection. I think we should do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's find a way to do that. All right. As long as we're talking about badass women, I have to say, of course, you do this is coming, Rosemary. Episode 40 with Cheryl Strayed talking about MB. I just and part of the reason I love this so much is that our origin story, of course, yep. our origin story is episode 39. Right before this one. Where we talk about MB brought the two of us together. So that was sort of important. But I just I really love Cheryl Strayed's take on this about about envy and what it has to tell us. So let's take a listen. Really, when you're actually struggling with envy and jealousy, the powerful first act is to say, okay, what is it actually that I am longing for? Like, what is causing me pain about this? Mm-hmm. And, and a book deal is just clean and simple. It's, it's about money. It's about a perceived success or power, right? It's, it's like somebody mm-hmm. got paid money to get their book published. And here I am with my book, I either got a tiny deal or I can't find a home for it. Or usually more likely, I haven't even finished my book. (laughs) That's even worse, right? Like not only did she sell it, she finished it. (laughs) And so what you're really jealous of is, you know, money and power essentially and, and success. And you're not to be blamed for this. Like those are the markers of success in our world, right? You know, that sort of external Mm -hmm. affirmation that is attached to to money. And what I was trying to say in my column is like, that's so understandable. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's, that's a business deal. And you have to do your work, you have to make the art that you're going to make, you have to keep your, your focus on that. I'm saying that there's a longer story than that first, like, woohoo, she got a deal, you know, and, and I think that it's really important to separate the art making from the, the art marketing and art selling. That really connected with me, Rosemary, because I think it's so easy to be envious of someone and it's never about them. It's always about you. Mm -hmm. And I think I've really come to sort of, I don't, this is going to sound weird. I I don't want to say I love envy, but envy is (laughs) such a great teacher. The thing that I love about it is it's a direct line to your heart's true desires because you realize if if you're feeling that, it's showing, okay, what is this thing that I want that that person has? And it's never the thing on on the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not the book deal. Like I had written this this piece for Oprah Magazine about how I envied my friend's ginormous book deal. But, you know, by unpacking it and saying, wait, what is this really about? And of course, it was never about her. It was really about me feeling like I had work that I wanted to do and I didn't have the support and I didn't have the time and I didn't have the financial means to be able to do it at that time. And so mm-hmm. the thing that I needed to do was to figure out how to get those things for myself, which had nothing to do with my friend and no. did not, in the end, require a book deal anyway. You know, there are other ways to get those things. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Cheryl Strayed, for giving us that straight talk on that. (laughs) Here, Christy, Uh my friend T.A. Barron. When oh my God. I want to bring this one in. And I love that, that you, you and I talk about this a lot, about this fake letter that his friend wrote him. Do you want to tell us about it? Oh my God. It was amazing. So he was a, an aspiring writer and he loved Madeline Langle. And I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? But his friend, his friend wrote a fake letter from her, like encouraging him and sort of telling him he should keep going. And he <laughs> cherished that letter, right? Which was completely manufactured and fake and bogus. But what he needed in that moment to not completely give up. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I just feel like 
that is what our podcast is about. Like everyone needs the friend who would write that fake letter, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, friends. And you'll have to go back to episode 74 if you haven't listened to it and hear T.A. Barron talk about what happened next. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's really sweet and exciting. (laughs) It's great. It's great. So more recently, there was someone, Melissa Savigny, who, this was episode 93. I loved her book, uh, Brave the Wild River, which was about a couple of badass botanists running the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. But the thing that that has really stuck with me with this episode is that she wrote that book while working a very full-time job at the public radio station there in Flagstaff where she lives. And she did this by really, really just protecting her creative time. So she wrote that book by working on Saturdays. Saturdays was her book writing day. Sundays was her self-care day. And I love it. You know, so many of us, I think, would say, okay, weekends, I got to do Saturday, Sunday. And she said, nope, Saturday, I'm going to write. Sunday, I'm going to do self-care. And I just think, wow, what a great model. And I think this is something that has come back to me. And in fact, I have sort of modeled that a little bit in my own life. I am working a full-time job now and doing passion projects on the side and figuring out, okay, how do I protect that time and how do I set it aside? And I I think her model is really one to aspire to. Yeah, it really shows the value of boundaries. Yeah, boundaries are so important for creative people. Well, for everyone. But I think if you're going to do creative work, you got to have boundaries. Yeah, that that was impressive. Very practical. Yeah. Okay, now the episode that made me cry was um, a bonus episode with poet Erin Abeta, who's from here. In, uh... Hold on a second. I just want to note that a lot of the episodes we have been calling out were bonus episodes. And I've noticed that so often the main episode is, is pretty good, but then something happens in the bonus where people just really open up a little mm-hmm. more. We really sort of interrogate something mm-hmm. a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So I love noticing that. So tell us more about the 77 bonus with Erin Abeta. Well, in it, he reads this most beautiful poem, letter, epistle, mm-hmm. and he says something like, I write art to save other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And he really sees poetry as salvation. And I, I, I love this about him, that he is that clear that this is <laughs> nothing less than saving lives. That's what's yeah. at stake with my writing. Mm-hmm. But I want to listen to him again, say, what is it that we are trying to do as writers, as artists, as creative people? That's the part of the process that saved me as the writer, that we can reimagine, that we can reposition, that we can reinvent, that we can reshape our world through language is what we're trying to do. And so any and all of those re's, if you want to use that prefix, are our way of reinterpreting what others might just see as complete loss and utter abject failure. But in the poetry of the impure, we have to find something that is beautiful always. Mm, Something beautiful always. And he just so gorgeously expresses in this, you know, bonus episode, but in all of his writing about what is broken and he finds the beauty in it and he creates this channel between despair and hope every time Mm -hmm. it's and it's what we're here for. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so essential. We sure are. Thanks, Erin Abeta, for reminding us what's really at stake. Yeah. <laughs> so something, Christy, that we brought up all these episodes that we're inviting guests on 
But mm-hmm. also some of the most important episodes to me have been the ones where it's just you and me having conversations. Mm-hmm. And certainly the episodes that were around when my son died and mm-hmm. when your father had had his stroke and things were so filled mm-hmm. with uncertainty. Yeah. And then my father died. And, and we really had a chance in real time to explore what what is happening with our creative process in a time of extreme grief mm-hmm. and uncertainty. Yeah. And I have to say now that having a, a creative habit to lean on, which certainly was true for poetry, but it was also so true for the podcast. And I was able mm-hmm. to continue doing the podcast even when I wasn't able to keep writing poems for those first seven weeks after Finn died. Oh, I, re- I remember I said, okay, we're just going to take a break. And you said, no, 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 it was <laughs> yeah. really important to me. And it, it yeah. gave me some scaffolding to, mm-hmm. it gave me some scaffolding to continue. It, it mm-hmm. supported me this, this practice of showing up and exploring mm-hmm. and wondering and being curious. And mm-hmm. I think now about how, how essential that was for me in a time of trauma to have a strong background in what's here And to stay open and to be curious, Mm -hmm. which is, that is what's like the many episodes we've just talked about, right? right. How how do we pay attention? How do we stay open? How do we take this in and find what's broken and, and find the beauty in it? And I think so much of it is really about being present, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. the noticing comes from being present, you know, the, the paying attention, the following curiosity doesn't work if you're not paying attention and you're not present to mm-hmm. what's going on around you. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, something huge that you've taught me is to have these, you know, when we started doing the year end episodes, uh-huh. I had to really think about what had happened for the last year right? and what my goals yeah. were for the next year. And I had not ever done that before. And it's been enormous mm. for me to have that practice. I I love that we do that now. And it's changed a lot for me in terms of how I think about what I've done and what I want to do. And it's also, it's because I've written them down and I see these are uh-huh. the things that I want to accomplish. I have been. So thank you, Christy Ashwanden. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I obviously have been doing that for a long time and I do that with a lot of my workshops, but I, I find it so so enriching and it's it almost always happens that at the end of the year if I go back and really inventory what I've done it's always so much better than I remember and it just is a little bit of a testament to how we're always kind of looking forward or thinking about the next thing we want to do instead of like you know taking a minute to relish in our accomplishments and and in the here and now of what we've done so I I like that too and I, I think it's a really a really nice grounding process. Mm-hmm. So our year-end episode will be coming up here it pretty is. soon. We'll be recording it in a few weeks. So I'm excited for it. And speaking, by the way, of where we're going, uh, we're saying goodbye to our amazing audio engineer, Leah. And we'll be looking forward to having her on our bonus episode talking about what she's learned yeah. from working with our podcast and what she's been doing and follow up on her her music and where she's going next. And then we'll be able to introduce you to a new audio engineer. Yeah, we're really excited. We've got some cool changes going on and we wish Leah all the best, but we are going to have her on for the bonus episode next week, talking about uh, her creative process and where she's going from here. So to listen, become a paid subscriber and you'll get that in your podcast feed next week. Rosemary, it was so fun going back and uh, reminiscing today. This was a fun thing. We'll have to do it for episode 200. (laughs) (laughs) 
200. Here we come. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. Thank you, listeners. Yeah, thanks for being with us. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Tromer, and my co host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. <laughs>